So the project is the racehorse and how quickly the project goes and the timeline of it and the performance determines how quickly investors see the returns. So the hurdles are like the checkpoints of the project. The project needs to reach specific profit levels or hurdle rates before different types of investors receive their share of the pie of their profits. Welcome to the Path to Passive podcast, where we talk about building wealth and empowering lifestyle through commercial real estate investing for tech professionals. I always wish that other tech professionals reaching financial freedom had documented their journey along the way, so I'm doing it for the rest of us. Join us as we explore stories, many failures, and lessons learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. So you've narrowed down your investing criteria at least a little bit, you've added to it, you have selected a market to start doing some research, and you want to get familiar with the terminology of return metrics so that when you start generating deal flow, you can do a better analysis and determine if a deal is good or not for you. But you know that you need to know what those return metrics are, some easy models to think about, remember them, and where to apply them in a quick way as well. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about some of those common return metrics that you absolutely need to know, what they mean, how these return metrics are calculated at least at a high level, and where and when you will be looking for these metrics. So welcome to another episode of Path the Passive. This is real estate investing for tech professionals the guide for tech professionals that want to invest in real estate with maximum leverage with their capital to earn income, save on taxes, and build generational wealth. I am your host, Stephen Rita, and I will be taking you through episodes with real estate entrepreneurs, myself, et cetera, to give you some of those strategies, tools where you can start investing in real estate as well. So let's get into today's show. And today's episode is an introduction to these return metrics. And so with so much information about these asset classes and you know how things work, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of one of the main priorities, which is how to know if a deal is good or not, at least in regard to your own criteria and your needs and goals, right? And I know when I was getting started, there was so much information around me. You combine that with everything I had to do for my day job and tech, you know, the 40 to 60 hours, depending on the week or more, and everything else that goes on in life by time. I got to the place in my learning where we were just covering return metrics. It was so obvious, like, duh, of course, this is something that's important. But, you know, when we finally got there, I I realized that it was it was the obvious thing for me to do. But anyway, understand the return metrics and actually figure out if a deal fits in your criteria and lands in what's called the buy box is incredibly important for our criteria and for our investment thesis, if you will. And just to be super clear about this, this is the criteria. And this is the one of the, the last steps for your criteria before you actually go out and get deal flow and take a lot more action here. You want to get yourself your own room clean, so to speak, right? Get it yourself organized so you're ready to ready to start taking action and, and getting that deal flow. Anyway, When I was getting some education on topic, I saw all kinds of metrics and formulas. And if you go down this rabbit hole too and do some of your own searching, you'll start to see some of them as well. I'm talking about, you know, things that you'll probably see maybe that aren't exactly return metrics, but they're very, uh, they'll, they'll come up in the area of due diligence, like, you know, expense ratios, income ratios, all different kinds of ratios. And they typically show up more in due diligence, but If you search about things to look for, for deals, you'll see some of those pop up as well. But what we're going to be covering today is some of the core ones that I think you need to know as an investor uh, that you're going to see 
a lot as we start to get deal flow and investment offerings. And I would say start with these first and then go into some of the others. And that would be my suggestion for right now. So let's just get some of the obvious things right on the table, right? Why understand our return metrics? Well, understanding these return metrics, you know, is very critical for our for understanding because let's face it, we want to be able to make more informed decisions. Metrics like IRR, cash flow, cap rate provide objective data to compare different investment options. These are going to help you assess potential profitability, identify good deals, and important, also avoid risks associated with investments promising unrealistic returns. Second, performance tracking and goal setting. By monitoring key metrics over time, right, the reports that you're going to be getting as well after you invest, and even before for that matter, checking out what the, the market has shown and the inputs into the deal, you can track your investment's progress, assess its success against initial goals, identify areas for improvement. This allows you to make informed adjustments to the investment strategy and optimize your portfolio for the returns. Like I said, I, I kind of read in, in both or, or spoke about this in two different ways. One would be the analysis before the deal, but also uh, the same metrics that you can look at after you do invest and look at these. So performance tracking and goal setting. And then the third here, we're talking about communication and negotiation. So understanding return metrics empowers you to communicate effectively with your investors or partners. In this case, we're talking about the GPs that you would invest with, likely, or just anyone that you'd be in investing with to understand what the returns are of a given investment interaction, the risks and justifications behind the investment choices, fostering trust and transparency. So you understand what goes into what types of returns are, are being offered. Risk management, certain metrics like cap rate and debt to equity ratios will help to gauge you uh, and the level of, of risk associated with investment by analyzing these metrics alongside risk tolerance can help you make informed decisions to align with your comfort and your, your risk tolerance, so to speak. And then just talking on that is that the fifth one, the last one here that I've written is about building confidence and expertise. So getting familiarity with return metrics increases your overall understanding of the financial world, right? As you learn it more, you speak more lingo, the, the learning stage, so to speak. And as you become more adept in analyzing and interpreting these numbers, of course, this is the competence-confidence loop. So the more you understand, the more confident you become, et cetera. So in essence, understand these metrics is you know, like having a GPS. You want to know where your target is, but you want to know where you are right now. And understanding these metrics will be able to help guide you to where you want to go. So you can make sure that you're looking at the right opportunities, you're avoiding pitfalls, and it just keeps you on track in general. So again, remember knowledge is power here. And especially in the world of investments, understanding return metrics, make sure it helps you with your getting informed decisions, maximizing returns, and navigating your own investment landscape with confidence. So before we get into the metrics I wanted to cover today and what they mean, remember this is just an introduction. We can go a lot deeper into each of these. I want to give you a survey or just a lay of the land so that you understand and start to hear these for the first time, second time maybe, but repetition is mother of all skill, right? This is Tony Robbins talking or his quotes here. But I just wanted to talk through these so that you get an idea. And if you are hearing them for the first time, awesome. So here's uh, what we're going to dive into, right? And so stepping here into commercial real estate, 
there's a bunch of new terms, right? And so to get into these terms, it is going to be super helpful for all the reasons we just mentioned. And as we get into these, some of these might be a little bit more complicated than others, but I just wanted to preframe that and set that expectation. Well, I'll add a little bit of detail, but again, this is just an introduction. So if you don't get everything right now, that's totally okay. We're going to repeat these over and over as we get into more episodes. And especially it'll make more sense as we talk about case studies and I bring on more guests that talk through things like this. But the first one is called internal rate of return. And so what you can do is imagine this as a discount rate that balances all future cash flows. We're talking, you know, rents, sale proceeds, whatever it is, you name it, with the initial investment. So the higher the IRR, the brighter the profit promise. So the complicated version of this is that the IRR is the discount rate that makes the net present value or NPV of all cash flows equal to zero. We're just bringing it to, to present. I know that's a lot, but it's basically the total adjusted returns of an investment. So IRR measures returns of investment by accounting for not only what was returned, but, but also when and what was returned. And so with IRR, time matters, and more precisely, when you receive those return matters. To calculate this, you need to gather some data such as the following. The first piece of data you'd want to collect is the initial investment amount, the estimated future cash flows, like everything there, the all of the cash flows that would be coming from, you know, yearly rent, as an example, year over year, as well as the sales proceeds, and then the timing of those cash flows. So initial investment, cash flows over the amount of years, and the sales proceeds, and then how many years as well. And from there, you would take those in consideration and look at, okay, across all of the cash flows, given at that time, by the initial investment, that's how you could calculate this number. The second return metric we have is cash flow. And cash flow is the lifeblood of any investment. Of course, you need to get cash on the inflow. And so with cash flow, you can imagine this is just the cash coming into your pocket, right? This is the actual money that you receive after all expenses and debt are settled. And again, this is the lifeblood of any investment, ensuring the overall financial well-being. So as an example here, picture yourself running out a spare room for, let's say, a thousand bucks. Pretty cool, right? But you also have to make sure that you're paying for the mortgage, 500 bucks as an example, taxes, insurance, another hundred utilities, another hundred, and advertising for 50 bucks as well. So all that we had renting for a thousand. And all those numbers I just mentioned total up to 750. So when you crunch all the numbers at the end, the cash flow total is 250. Now, what I want to mention here is that what's important is that the total cash flow is all is that income and all the expenses and debt, as an example. There is another term out there, which I'm not really going too much into right now. It's called net operating income, and that is all income minus the expenses or the operating expenses. But the difference is with cash flow here, it's all that the mortgage and the, the debt service is paid as well. So number three is equity multiple. And what equity multiple does is it measures how much your initial investment has multiplied over time. 
So in this case, imagine that you and your tech buddy each invest $200 in a fancy app. The app is built and then boom, the app goes viral. You both cash out and you walk away with $600 or that's triple your money while your buddy's you know, gone to $400 or doubles their investment. And this is as it sounds, an equity multiple. So in this case, your cash you know, you would have tripled your money or you have a 3x multiple investing 200 and getting 600 back while your buddies went from the same investment of 200 and he got 400 back. But number four, we have cash on cash return. This is one of the most common metric investors consider and is a simple way to calculate how much money your money has earned. It tells you the annual return on your initial investment expressed as a percentage. Or you can think of this as then annualized returns relative to the initial investment amount. So an example of this is, say you've invested $100,000 and you received an annual distribution of $10,000. Then you have a cash on cash return of 10%, where it's the initial investment divided by that return. Pretty simple. So 100,000 was invested and you get 10,000 back on an annual distribution. That means you have that 100,000 divided by that 10,000 and you get a 10% cash on cash return. Again, this is all about how much money has your money earned. Number five, we're looking at cap rate. So you can think of a cap rate like sort of like a price tag on income, right? So the lower the tag or lower the cap rate, the more you're going to pay for each dollar of rent that the property makes. Now, compares the price to... Uh, the annual NOI, or what I said earlier about that net operating income, revealing how much you're paying for each dollar of income generated, right? So how much you're paying for each dollar of income generated. So a lower cap rate generally indicates a pricier, but potentially more stable investment. So you can, in this case, just imagine a fancy mansion. Beautiful, but it's high price means a slower paycheck. Right, So higher the price tag, higher the cap rate, the less you pay per dollar of rent, such as an example, maybe like a cozy studio by comparison, where it's maybe less impressive, but you see your money back faster. So I just want to say that a little bit slower here is that you can think of a cap rate like a price tag on income. So the lower the tag, the lower the cap rate, the more you're going to pay. And the higher the cap rate, the less you will pay on a comparative basis. So number six is hurdles. So imagine milestones that need to be met or conquered before investors get their share of the profits. Hurdles set a minimum return threshold, such as like an 8% hurdle rate, that projects must achieve before investors start reaping profits. So here in real estate and commercial real estate, a hurdle is similar. It's a minimum performance threshold investment project needs to achieve before certain returns are distributed. So imagine you and your friends are entering a race. But there's a twist. Before you cross the finish line and claim victory, you all have to clear a series of hurdles, each one at a specific height. Now, here's how it works. You can think of the investors as runners. They put their money into the project, much like the entry fees for that race, right? So the project is the racehorse. And how quickly the project goes and the timeline of it and the performance determines how quickly investors see the returns. So the hurdles are like the checkpoints of the project. The project needs to reach specific profit levels or hurdle rates before different types of investors receive their share of the pie, of their profits. Now, there are two main types of hurdles. Preferred return hurdles, known as PREF, and this is the first checkpoint. 
typically set for preferred investors who took on extra risk as an example. They get their guaranteed return, like this fixed prize, once the project clears this hurdle. So preferred returns need to clear the first hurdle of that project. Common equity hurdle, this is the second checkpoint. After the preferred return hurdle, once the project crosses this hurdle, then common equity investors start receiving their share of the profits. The higher the common equity hurdle, the longer it takes for these investors to see returns, but they also may stand to gain a larger share of the remaining profits. And the way you can think about this too is if you've listened to the episode on the capital stack, this is one of the ways you can think about this. Notice the PREF for preferred return investors got their money first, and then the common equity got their returns after, and possibly even a larger piece as well. Now, I realize this might be a bit hard to understand all you know, via audio and talking about it versus reading it, but again, the primary purpose is to just mention these so you can hear them and start becoming aware of them for the future. So where do we use all these metrics that we just covered? So all these things and all these terms just mentioned, you know, where do these really enter the picture? Well, these should definitely be added to the criteria and investment thesis that you've been building, right? Investment thesis should line up to your goals. And when deals come your way, you know when and how to evaluate those deals. But just as a quick recap, Further criteria, it's what kind of asset classes do you want to invest in? Single family, apartments, multifamily, etc. Do you want to go for strategies like core or value add as an example? Do you want to be on the active side and hunt deals and do all the due diligence, etc. for that asset class? Or do you want to be more on the side of the passive side? Invest your capital and see and realize those returns because you might be really busy and you want to invest your, your capital to do some work on your behalf as well. And finally, so far, where do you want to invest? We're talking about what markets do you want to invest in? Now, if you need refreshers on these strategies or any of these topics, you can go back to episodes two, three, four, five, and seven. Just have a look at those titles and see which one fits best for what you need to know. And that will help you fill in the gaps there. So from here, you would like to see you know, you'd be adding on these return metrics like IRR and cash on cash returns to see if, you know, the if the deal would work for you. So again, you will need these when we start generating deal flow because when we see these investment offerings and you see these numbers, you want to say, cool, I've seen these return metrics before. I have an idea what these are and it's a reference point for you as well. Okay, bringing us to our recap for today. Today, we covered six different metrics that will help you determine your returns, right? We talked about IRR, cash flow, cash on cash return, we mentioned equity multiple, cap rate, and hurdles. We had a brief description about what these are. We talked about metrics that fit into their criteria, right? That I just recapped just about a minute ago, and where these return metrics will fit in the future, which is, of course, going to be investment offerings once we start building the deal flow. So this brings us to our action for today. Today's action is simple. What I want you to do is on the criteria that you've been building, right? All you're going to do is you're gonna be adding on two new lines, two areas for your buy box, right? For IRR, right, that internal rate of return and the cash on cash return metrics. Why these two in particular? Because as you're gonna see when we look at investment offerings, these are the ones that are gonna be the most common for you to look at. And again, I want you to have a starting point that we can just 
look at first so that we can peel the onion back and start asking more and more questions. But at least if you know these two, you can start looking at things in a more intelligent way, ask more questions, etc. Right. So adding these metrics, you know, and others as you get them, again, least give you a signal on if it's something that you should dive more into about. And a lot of investing in general is to just get in the game and start asking questions. It doesn't mean you need to throw money at anything or anything like that, but at least you have some familiarity so you can build that competence, confidence loop and go from there. So bringing us to the quote of the day, what we have here is uh, one of my favorites from Mr. Zig Ziglar. And this is, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So for those of you that don't know, Zig Ziglar, American motivational speaker, author, and salesman who left a lasting impression on the personal development world. Just real quickly about him, he was actually born all the way back in 1926, and you know, from humble beginnings, as a lot of a lot of us are, uh, he became a globally recognized figure, especially in the sales arena. So, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So wrapping up for today on an upcoming episode, we'll be talking about secret weapon that I've really been enjoying and I've started to embrace more and more. Uh, it certainly helped me with productivity, just being more relaxed productivity in general comes from you know lessons from Dan Sullivan, entrepreneur coach, author of Who Not How, 10X is Easier Than 2X, and The Gap and The Gain. So if you're interested in hearing what they have to mention, what he has to mention about doubling productivity with leverage, you will want to tune in. So with that, thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions or topics that you want to hear about, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is steven at aritacapital.com. It will also be in the show notes for today's episode. Also, if you have topics that you would love to hear about, please let me know. I will go ahead and get those. And I love to get questions because that means more content, more opportunities to serve you. So with that, thank you so much for joining me this episode of The Path to Passive, and I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Path to Passive. We love connecting with our listeners and those on the path to architecting their wealth and improving their lives. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see in future episodes. Get in touch with us through email or Instagram. See you next week for a new episode.